0: Welcome to The Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. There was a notable executive order that came out recently, and Yuan is going to start with a summary of that.
1: Perfect. Thanks, Peter. So on October 30th, President Biden released an executive order on the safe, secure, and trustworthy development and use of artificial intelligence. The EO seeks to advance the safe and secure development and deployment of AI by implementing a society-wide effort across government, the private sector, academia, and civil society to harness the benefits of AI while mitigating its risks. Now, we have a detailed client alert available on Kroll's website and wanted to highlight a few areas here. First, Section 4 of the EO directs Commerce and DHS to perform a number of tasks focused on eight key areas. Developing guidelines, standards, and best practices for AI safety and security ensuring safe and reliable AI through industry reporting on AI development and data centers, and reporting on foreign access to AI infrastructure, managing AI in critical infrastructure and cybersecurity, reducing risks at the intersection of AI and chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats, reducing the risks posed by synthetic content, soliciting input on dual-use foundation models with widely available model weights, promoting safe release and preventing the malicious use of federal data for AI training, and developing a coordinated executive branch approach to managing AI security risks. Now, Section 6 focuses on two key areas that address the impact of AI on the workforce and prioritize diversity by advancing the government's understanding of AI's implications for workers and ensuring that AI in the workplace advances employees' well-being. Section 9 mandates federal action to mitigate potential threats to privacy posed by AI. And in particular, the EO expressed concern about AI's facilitation of the collection or use of information about individuals or the making of inferences about individuals. And finally, Section 10 provides direction for agency efforts to develop and use AI technology that focuses on the provision of government-wide guidance for agency use management, and procurement of AI, and outlines a series of priorities and initiatives intended to improve and accelerate federal hiring of AI talent and AI training. Peter, back to you.
0: Next up, a rule from SBA. On October 11th, 2023, SBA published a final rule amending its regulations on small business subcontracting plans in order to implement Section 870, of the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2020, and this focuses on credit for lower-tier subcontracting. Prior to an SBA rule published on December 23rd of 2016, SBA's regulations permitted a prime contractor to count only its first-tier subcontracts toward the goals in its subcontracting plan. The December 2016 final rule, however, allowed for prime contractors to receive credit for lower-tier subcontracts Under certain circumstances section 870 of the 2020 NDAA amended the small business acts requirements that apply to a federal contractor seeking to obtain subcontracting credit on certain types of federal contracts specifically amending the criteria for receiving such credit in a few different ways. There are really three changes. One, a prime contractor may elect in some instances to receive credit toward its subcontracting plan for lower-tier subcontracts to small businesses. Two, agencies are prohibited from setting tier-specific goals for prime contractors that use lower-tier credit. And three, contractors' contracting plans must detail records in order to substantiate lower-tier credit. In order to implement Section 870, SBA revised and added a provision to 13 CFR section 125.3. The rule eliminates the prior provision that a prime contractor would have two sets of subcontracting goals, one for first tier, one for lower tiers. Second, the rule establishes that where subcontracting goals relate to a single contract with one federal agency, a contractor may elect to receive credit for small business concerns performing as first tier subcontractors or subcontractors at any tier pursuant to the subcontracting plans of those lower tier subs, and an amount equal to the dollar value of work performed pursuant to such a small business concern. Such an election to receive credit for subcontractors at any tier has to be recorded in the subcontracting plan, and certain other criteria have to be met. Now, the next thing we're really waiting for is for the FAR Council to amend FAR 52219 9 to account for these amendments in the SBA regulations. But definitely uh, an important change and something that we'll be watching for as the FAR Council continues the process. I'll turn it back to Yuan for an interesting notice on JVs and classified access.
1: Thanks, Peter. On October 5th, the National Archives and Records Administration's Information Security Oversight Office issued a joint notice to provide government contractors with guidance concerning JVs that want to access classified information through an entity eligibility determination or a facility clearance. Now, among other things, the joint notice clarifies that companies should not rely on the SBA's regulations for the proposition that a small business JV will never need to hold an Entity Eligibility Determination, or an EED. Regarding JVs that are not a separate legal entity, the Joint Notice states that, open quote, a JV formed by contract in which the JV is not a separate legal entity cannot be awarded a classified contract in its own right and cannot hold an EED, end quote. Rather, the legal entities that make up the JV are to be awarded the classified contract directly and must hold the necessary EED and other prerequisites to be awarded and to perform a classified contract. Now, where the JV is a separate legal entity, the JV participants performing the classified work will be required to obtain the EED or facility clearance after receiving a classified contract, but the JV itself will only be required to obtain an EED or facility clearance in limited circumstances. The joint notice also clarifies that the Cognizant Security Agency or CSA retains the ultimate responsibility to determine on a case by case basis which entities will be required to hold an EED or facility clearance before contract performance, the JV itself and or one or more of the JV participants. And on a case-by-case basis, a CSA will assess the business structure of the JV and governance documents of the legal entity that has the contract award for a JV, as well as the sub-entities awarded or being considered for the classified contract to determine which will need to have an EED. Peter?
0: Perfect. That will wrap up for this edition. This has been The Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.